This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. Wow. Well, guys, that's an impossible act to follow. So that's the best it's going to get this morning. I'm just the leftovers. But what a blessing it is to hear that our kids proclaiming about the birth of our Savior and the reason that we have this awesome season. So um, it was my senior year in college. I went to a Bible college. And they asked me to be the assistant tennis coach to the female tennis team. (laughs) Now I know what you're thinking. Nick, I didn't know that you liked tennis. I don't. (laughs) I didn't know Nick played tennis. I don't. They said, we need someone who's more fit than the head coach who can get our girls in shape. We'll pay you. Okay. All right. That's fine. Uh, So more fit than our head coach. Our head coach was 5'1", 260 pounds. So you got a real idea how blessed these girls were to have us as their coach. I didn't know the first thing about tennis. So um, I remember that we, um, we took them on a run, and we were done our run in like four minutes. And they were like, oh, are, you, are we supposed to four-minute runs? And I, I was out of breath because also I don't get people in shape either. That's an, another thing I don't do. I said, no, that's just our sprint. All right. Um, so we did sprints all season. That was it. So I remember one day we pulled up at Arcadia College. This was our first year as a tennis team, and we're playing Arcadia College. I don't know how that happened. I remember seeing the head castles, and I'm like, that's it, we're done. We pull up there, we're not going to beat the dude with castles. And we get up there, and uh, we're playing, we're getting creamed, we're crushed, and so I just take some time, and I sit on the other side of the courts um, on the hill, and I'm just watching, because I don't have any advice to give. Never played tennis. Uh, And so then the, the coach from Arcadia comes over and sits next to me and says, I just have to tell you, your girls are such gracious losers. Thank you. We're good at it. And so I, I, I began to explain to her kind of what we do. I said, well, at a Bible college, you really don't you know, sign up for sports. You come to a Bible college because you want to share about this good news that you have about how Jesus changed your life, and you uh, want to go out and change other people's lives for the better. And then so she said, oh, you know, I, we have a girl that could use your help. And she begins telling me the story of one of her players who's really been struggling, struggling with cutting, finding self-worth. Sometimes she's there, sometimes she's not. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh. So I said, hey, how about we pair up with Kelsey? I knew Kelsey. I knew, I knew her heart. I knew she was going into missions. And I said, how about we pair up with Kelsey? It's okay. All right, let's do that. So I run over to Kelsey and I go, Kelsey, there's this girl. She's got some issues, she's got some struggles. Can you reach out to her at the end? I know you guys shake hands, do something. Yeah, I got a coach. No no problem. So we're watching, and we're losing. She's losing. Um, And the match is over. And I'm praying, and I'm waiting. 
And she goes over to shake, and Kelsey pulls her in. And I'm watching. I don't know what's happening. She holds her. And what was a couple second embrace turned into a minute embrace, turned into a two-minute embrace. The refs actually came over to kind of say, all right, clear out the, clear out the uh, court. And as soon as they recognized what happened, they kind of backed away and let it go. And then the embrace turned into them holding hands. And Kelsey has her eyes closed. I'm like, wait, she's praying. Kelsey's mouth moves. The girl's mouth moves. Kelsey's mouth moves. The girl's mouth She's repeating after Kelsey. Kelsey's leading this girl to the Lord. So we get done. And we had lost every single match that day. We had lost every, whatever, I don't even know, sets, match, innings, whatever it is. We had <laughs> lost them all. But the whole team said, we won. We won. We won a soul today. This is what it was about. This was amazing. So we went out to dinner. We had a victory thing. It was awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> we had realized... Man, like, in that moment, I, the whole season, I'm thinking, why do you have me here, Lord? Like, this is great. I'm not good at tennis at all. I've never picked up a racket. And in that moment, I had no questions about why I was there. And that's what I want to go into today when we talk about Mary. We're going to talk about um, how our mess, and I don't know if you walked in, there might have, there might have been a package of M&Ms on your chair, how our mess turns into his Mission. We don't have to stay at mess. It can become a part of his mission. And last week, Jim did an awesome job talking about Elizabeth and how she found personal fulfillment in the Lord and how it didn't just stop there. Her personal fulfillment in the Lord was a part of a bigger picture, a bigger unfolding picture. It wasn't just about Elizabeth. And Mary's going to pick it up right where Elizabeth left it off. Now, if you didn't relate to Elizabeth, that's okay because Mary's very different than Elizabeth, right? We can't get over the contrast between Elizabeth and Mary. Elizabeth is at the end of her life, old in age. Mary's at the beginning of her life, super young. Elizabeth has her expectations met when she conceives of a child in her old age. Mary is given a lot of expectations on top of her. Elizabeth faces acceptance of mankind because she has children. She's now going to fit in. This is awesome. Mary faces rejection from mankind because she's having a baby out of wedlock. And so either way, um, if, if you don't relate to Elizabeth, I'm sure you relate to Mary. But if we're being honest, it's probably a bit of both. There's times in our life where we feel like, man, God, I just wish you would fulfill this promise or fulfill this area. And there's other times where we're saying, God, what kind of circumstance did I find myself in? I didn't ask for this. And so the one thing that the ladies both have in common is that they didn't ask for these circumstances. They didn't sign up for this. They were put inside of them. But they did have a choice whether to accept or deny their circumstances. And we're going to look, and I really believe that God wants to take us from mess to mission and take the mess that we're in and make it a part of his mission. Now, our big question is how, right? How does God want to take us from mess to mission? How does he want to take our mess to his mission? Well, the great news about this is that Mary asked the same question. Mary asked the same question. Let's just jump into it. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to put it up here. 
Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 26. You guys can follow along with me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now it's a mouthful, and here comes Mary. How? How? How will this be? Now, I love this question to Gabriel, but to get even more context about this question to Gabriel, we've got to go back, because she wasn't the first person to ask Gabriel a question. Zacharias also asked Gabriel a question. And Zacharias, we're going to learn some do's and don'ts about accepting mission from the Lord, accepting mess. Zacharias asked a question of Gabriel, and it wasn't accepted. Let's go back to verse 18. So, the angel appears to Zacharias and tells him about how his wife, Elizabeth, is going to conceive. And John the Baptist went over this last week. I'm just going to pick it up. Verse 18. Zacharias asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? Notice the difference. How will this be? How will this happen? How are you going to do it? Asked Mary. Zacharias, How can I be sure of this. Now, if you're Gabriel, what's going through your head, right? Like, dude, hello, angel of the Lord is here. I suppose it's just an everyday occurrence that an angel of the Lord just shows up that you would ask for another sign. Like, Gabriel's pretty ticked about this. And so where, where is Zacharias' focus here? How can I be sure of this? Me, I. How can I be affirmed? How can I feel better? What are you going to do for me in this? Because I'm having a little trouble accepting this. Zacharias says, fine. Uh, Gabriel says, okay. I'm going to shut your mouth. How's that for a sign? If if an angel of the Lord is not sign enough, I'm going to shut your mouth. Mary Hey, hey, how are you going to do this? Where's her focus? God. How are you going to do this? I know how this works. I'm a virgin. How, how are you going to do this? And Gabriel's okay with that question. He, he loves the question. And I wonder if there's something in it for us, because Gabriel answers that question, how he's going to do it. And I wonder if we, for a second could put our mess into God's hand and ask the same question. God, how are you going to do this? Put our uncertainty in God's hand and say, how are you going to make this better? How are you going to fix this? Because Gabriel has no problem answering that question. So let's see what we learn from his answer. So we're in verse 35. 
So Mary has said, hold on, I'm going to go back real quick to Mary. Said, Mary said, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Pick it up. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Done. Boy, I really wish that that worked for me, right? Like I'm on an interview. Uh, hey, um, Nick. So we see here that you plan to grow the church by 5,000 disciples in one year. Yeah, that's great. Oh. Just, just how? How? How do you plan on? How do you plan on doing that? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. This guy. It doesn't work for us, right? We don't get off the hook by just saying the Holy Spirit's going to do it. We are actually called to make plans. We're called to plan. We're called to use our mind, use our brain to plan. And here's the thing. God doesn't get off the hook either from planning. God has a detailed, intimate plan for how he wants to work out the mess. He just doesn't share it with us. So he says, I want you to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit, my power is going to be enough for you to overcome this mess, to make your mess turn into my mission, to come a part of it. But Gabriel doesn't stop there. He answered the how, that was done. And then he goes in verse 36, And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is in the sixth month for her, who is called barren. What is he saying? God did it before. God already did this. He already did a miracle. Like God is in the business of miracles. He's not only in the business of miracles, he's like the CEO of Miracles Incorporated. He's done it before. You can trust that his power is enough to change your circumstances because he did it before. It's already happened. Like I can just imagine Gabriel super excited to be talking about what God's doing. He's did it before. And then check out how he ends it. For nothing will be impossible for God. So we have, putting it all together, how is God going to change this? How is God going to fix this? How is God going to make this better? The power of the Holy Spirit. God did it before, and nothing will be impossible for God. He's going to do it again. He's not only going to do it again, he wants to do it again. So I wonder if we could put in our mess, whatever that is. God, how are you going to heal my addiction? How are you going to restore this relationship? How are you going to bring my family back around? How are you going to fix the chaos around this world? power of the Holy Spirit. I did it before, and I want to do it again, and again, and again, and again. Whatever mess you can even conceive of, he's already fixed. He's already done it. It's not new to him. And us, sometimes that's a struggle because we feel like, I don't know if you're going to, if you really understand what's going on here, if you could really fix this. God, oh, I don't know. God, how are you going to take two different church bodies and put them into one with one heartbeat for the lost. 
I did it before. My power's enough. I'm going to do it again. I want to do it again. That's so cool. So right there we have our answer. And we don't even need to search any deeper. If you have a mess and you're bringing that to the Lord, you don't have to search any deeper. His power is enough. He's done it before. He wants to do it again. He wants to make it better. He wants to put your mess for his mission. And I, well, first, let's see how he did, right? So Mary's response. She hears all this. Verse 38. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. So she just kind of puts her hands out. Let it be done to me, your mission, my mess for your mission, and accepts it. Now, how did God do? Her first, she knew the first struggle was going to be Joseph. How is Joseph going to accept me? So how did Mary fix that? Did Mary go to Joseph and, and try to plead with him, tell, plead her case? Did she try to, try to dangle a reward in front of Joseph? Hey, if you do this, you'll get to be the father of the Savior of the world, earthly father. That would be so cool. No, she didn't do that. Fear? Hey, if you don't do this, what's Jesus going to think about you? No. No manipulation at all. What was Mary's part in making Joseph, the mess of Joseph and accepting her? What was Mary's part in that? Zero. She had zero part. What happened? Gabriel comes. And Gabriel talks to Joseph. And it's okay. Gabriel comes. He makes good on the promise. He did it. What he said he was going to do, he comes and he does it. He shows up and he says, Joseph, listen, here's the deal. And Joseph said, that's great, all right. Problem one, check, fixed. What was our next problem? Um, there's no room in the inn. They come up, there's a census. They show up, everyone's there, everything's booked. Innkeeper, hey, you guys can have my stable. Check. Next problem. Herod gets word of this. Oh, my goodness. Okay. There's a king being born. I feel threatened. I've got to do something about this. Again, what do Mary and Joseph do? Nothing. God actually works through the wise men. And the wise men are told in a dream. They go back a different way. They warn Mary and Joseph. And they get out of there and they flee. Check. So if, if, if you're thinking that, man, it really feels like God doesn't keep a calendar, because if he kept a calendar, wouldn't he have lined these events up better? Yeah. Except for the fact that it would take away our faith. Diminishes our faith. See, if it's from God, we want it to line up perfectly how we see it. And that's not what God's called us to. Zacharias wants more certainty he wants to diminish the faith aspect. Mary wants to, well, Mary doesn't want to diminish the faith aspect. God doesn't want to take away our faith. And so in these circumstances, as it's unfolding, God's showing up time and time and time and time again. So I wish we could just stop right there 
and we could go home and it would be great. Like that would be, oh my gosh, I can take my mess and it can be a part of his mission and I can find comfort in the fact that God's power is enough. He's done it before. He wants to do it again. Oh my goodness, that's great. Okay, we're done. Except that then that would kind of make it about us and our mess being fixed. And what's not unique about Elizabeth or Mary is that their mess was not at all about them. Their mission was not at all about them. It was a part of a bigger global purpose. So to answer this question, we really have to figure out, okay, who was the Christmas season messiest for? It was a pretty messy season, right? We have a lot of disruptions all over the place. The shepherds, their whole night is disrupted by the angels. But it's probably not the messiest for them. The wise men, they had this huge long trek and who knows how many people they took with them and how many things they packed up. They're definitely disrupted by the coming of the Savior. But probably not the messiest for them. Joseph, he's got to marry Mary Mary. And he doesn't know how this is going to turn out. But still, I don't think Joseph, I don't think it was messiest for Joseph. I really battled between these two groups of people. Mary, obviously, because she's having the Savior, birthing the Savior, and all the women that lost their two-year-old and younger sons. Remember Herod? He said, kill them all. Two and under, kill them. Can you imagine the horror that went out that night? All these moms losing their sons. I have three sons, I can't imagine it. Still, it wasn't messiest for them. It was messiest for Jesus. See, he was in heaven in a perfect relationship, in a perfect environment. He didn't have to worry about anything. And he comes down to earth, he takes on flesh, skin, takes on temptation, he takes on pain. Why? In a little bit, we're going to sing Emmanuel, God with us. God wanted us to intimately know how he didn't want to be without us. He didn't want you to be alone. When I asked Kelsey, she got off the tennis court, I said, Kelsey, what did you say to her? How did you bring her to the Lord? She said, I just pulled her in, I gave her a hug, and I said, you're not alone. You're not alone. And she said, I said, I'm praying for you. And then she broke down and cried. So you know what Jesus did? You know why this was super, super messy? Because at one point, Jesus leaves his perfect relationship with the Father. God forsakes his own son. He breaks the fellowship with his own son. Why? So that he can have fellowship with you. 
breaks the fellowship with his Father so that he can have fellowship with you. He wanted you to know that you are not alone in your mess. He wanted to know it's not only an accident, it's on purpose. I'm here, I'm walking with you. He could have, from up afar, he could have been sending down edicts. And he could have tried to love us from afar, but he said, that is not what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk the path with you. I'm going to send my son so that you know that you are not alone in your mess. And so if we really want to grasp this idea of mess to mission, taking our mess and making it a part of his mission, there's really two things that we can take away from today. One is that your mess is on purpose. It's not an accident. Your circumstances can be used for his glory, no matter what. His power is enough to transform your mess into his mission. And two, we miss all of it if we don't realize it's about them. If we experience God changing our lives, we experience him take us from mess to mission, and we're on mission with him, and we realize that when we face hard times, that those are opportunities for God to work. This doesn't stay with us. Now we've got to go tell somebody else about it. We've got to go share it with them. Redeeming the world back to him. From mess to mission. And I wonder today what it is that stops us from believing that. What is it that gets in the way of us really understanding that God doesn't want us to fix our own mess? He wants to work through that for his power. So let me just pray for us as we reflect on Mary's, Mary's mission. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you loved us in such a way that wasn't from far, but it was close. You put your hand on our heart and you said, I know exactly what you're going through. There's nothing that you've experienced that I haven't already experienced. There's nothing that you've gone through that I haven't already fixed. God, nothing is new to you. And beyond all that, beyond the mess, your mission is that each and every one of us would know you want a relationship with us. Everybody in the world would know that you want a relationship with us. God, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts as a body of people. I pray that you would put us from mess to mission. <coughs> that God, you would convict us in a way that spreads so far from this church to the counties, to the state, to the world. And God, we praise you. And we just can't keep it to ourselves. We thank you that we're a part of a bigger picture and just, just stay with us. Thank you, God, that you are with us here today, even this morning.
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.